On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any expense, extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Let's, <clears throat> let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for your presence this morning by your spirit and by your words and by your body here gathered. We pray that you unlock for us this morning uh, scriptures and that we come out later touched and changed by your words. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, I'm Jean-Luc, I'm French, and this morning uh, I will talk about um, this passage. If you don't know, it's okay. Usually we um, 
unpack that kind of passages um, during uh, messages here at St. Barnabas. It's called the, the, the Parable of the Good Samaritan, and we are in a series of looking at the great commandments, loving God and loving our neighbor. And this morning, I want to avoid two things. I want to avoid two pitfalls about um, loving this, this topic of loving our neighbor. First of all, I want to avoid any guilt trip uh, that we may arise as we're thinking about loving our neighbors. Maybe we uh, don't love our neighbors as well as we think we should. And so my purpose this morning is not to give us uh, guilt, of course, because Christ has set us free and we are free from any type of condemnation of false guilt. And secondly, I want to avoid um, decided that we need to do a lot of things for our neighbors. It's about a to-do list. So let's look at this passage. Because I want to share with you the fact that the source of Christian love for our neighbors, um, the source of how we minister to the broken, to the marginalized, to the downcast, is uh, in God. And you know the church, in general, and that local church in particular, is not called to become a glorified social service, but we are proclaiming the kingdom of God, which proceeds from uh, another source. What is the key of our passage this morning, the Good Samaritan parable? You may say it's about love. There is this discussion between a lawyer, a religious lawyer, and Jesus, and love is at the center, it seems. And of course, we know that love is the essence of human life. The man who comes to Jesus says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, what I have been made for. And the lawyer answers, love God, love your neighbor. And Jesus answers, that's it, perfect. You did that, love. And of course it makes perfect sense for us because we know that we are built for love. Um, we know that love is at the center of our lives, our relationships. But Jesus wants to go a little bit further with the man in our story. I think the key of the whole passage is the verse 29, uh, which uh, says that the lawyer wanted to justify himself and ask that question, who is my neighbor? So why is that verse the key from uh, I want to speak this morning? I think Jesus wants to show to the man, the lawyer, and to us today that real love doesn't start until you see, you understand, you don't really love. You are and I am incapable to love perfectly. And it removes this idea of guilt straight away. That's the main idea. And it removes this idea that we have to rush and do things and love our neighbors. Until you see you're incapable to love, you are incapable to love. So let's start with the beginning. The lawyer wants to test Jesus, as the text is saying. Uh, the religious experts believed 
like most religious leaders at the time, that to get to heaven, to be saved, was to obey the Ten Commandments, to obey the law, the Jewish law. And that was the way to get to heaven. That's what he believed, that's what most people believe today as well. In other words, to use a more theological word, he believed that you can justify yourself. To justify means to make yourself right in the sight of God. To justify means to make yourself righteous, to make yourself good. And so he had probably heard Jesus saying here and around, you can receive the kingdom of God now. You can enter the kingdom of God now. So this lawyer, which is a religious lawyer again, was testing Jesus to really check Jesus' new ideas. But Jesus has a trap too for the lawyer, a loving trap, a trap full of love. So instead, Jesus, instead of answering the lawyer questions, asked him another question. And Jesus asked the lawyer, what do you see in the law? What do you think you can do to inherit eternal life? And what is amazing is that the answer the lawyer is giving is what a lot of rabbis in ancient Jewish time would say to summarize the law, love God and love your neighbor. Sometimes we think that Jesus came up with a new idea, but actually Jesus was a Jewish and he was looking at the Jewish law, the Torah, which says in Deuteronomy 6, love God, and in Leviticus 19, love your neighbor. And here, Jesus, when he listens to the answer, of, the answer of the lawyer, says, that's it. Live a perfect life of love and you're set. You will go to heaven. You will save. But here, my friends, Jesus is crushing the lawyer. He is backing him into a corner. He is trying to show the lawyer he doesn't love perfectly. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul, means for the lawyer and for us, nothing comes first. Nothing comes before God. 100% of our thoughts, 100% of our time dedicated to God. And the question is, how are we doing with this principle? Nobody comes close to giving what is due to God. Second principle, love your neighbor as yourself. It means love your neighbor as yourself, meet all the needs of your neighbors, the next person next to you, with as much delight as you meet your own needs, with as much time, with as much thought, with as much power. That's God, only, only God can do this, you know with his grace and his goodness. But Jesus is telling us that we've been built, we've been created to do that, to be that. But once again, the lawyer don't even get close to do that. So Jesus is saying, lawyer, you want to inherit eternal life? Love perfectly, love perfectly, and you will be saved. You see, the Christian love Real love starts by acknowledging you don't love perfectly. <coughs> perfectly. 
So now I think the lawyer in our passage is feeling the pressure. That's why the central verse is verse 29, because it says the lawyer wanted to justify himself. So he asked, who is my neighbor? Again, justify means to make rights with someone or with something. If you've got a big debt, and some of us may struggle with some kinds of debts, but if you've got a big debt, you can't no more have any kind of transaction with the bank, with shops, and so on. Someone needs to take care of that debt in order for you to be able to buy uh, things. For example, you are justified, you are, uh, your debt is taken away. And the Bible teaches you cannot justify yourself with God. You cannot. You cannot love him with all your heart. You cannot possibly love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus is trying to show to the lawyer there, he's bringing him into that corner. He wants to get him to despair, but a, a godly despair. This morning, my friends, if you're thinking you're a good person, you're thinking like the lawyer. All foundations. What should the lawyer have said to Jesus? He should have said, I can't live perfectly, loving perfectly. Then Jesus could have said, but he didn't because the lawyer didn't give him a chance. But Jesus said this a lot of times in other parts of the Gospels, what we call the Gospel, the Jesus biographies. He would have said, you can live a perfect life only by the mercy of God. And the mercy of God is this. Though you were poor in spirit, though you can't obey the golden rule of loving God and loving your neighbor, I, Jesus Christ, came not just as a teacher, but as someone who would justify you. You see, Confucius, Mohammed, Buddha, all the religion on, on the world, I've got great teachers, they come and say, this is the law, this is what you need to do in order for you to justify it. Do it. But Jesus came, lived a perfect life, loving God with all his heart, soul, strength, and mind. He loved his neighbor as himself in order that his records will be ours, in order that he died to pay that debt. He justified us, he set us free. So the lawyer in our story didn't do that. But that's what Jesus is trying to get him to say. Real Christian love doesn't begin, does begin only when you see that you are a sinner saved by grace. Otherwise, you're self-justifying you, you're self-justified. You can have, of course, a kind of compassion, and of course, you can show compassion to people. But the Christ-justified person and love as a kind of quality to it that is unconditional, that has a power, that has a dynamic. And anyone in that room that have moved from being self-justified to Christ-justified knows the difference. If you are a sinner saved by grace, it melts you, it humbles you. It redynamizes you. 
And the kind of love that is depicted in that parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan, is exactly that kind of love. Because the lawyer expert says, who, who is my neighbor? He wants to justify himself, as we said, and I think the lawyer is kind of guilty there. If he feels that he can't meet love God, love your neighbor, so he wants to justify himself. And Jesus tells that story we just read about a Samaritan who finds a Jew person half dead that has been beaten, robbed, And I just want to stress the magnitude of the love here in that story of the Samaritan. The priest and the Levites just went past by. It was probably like going to London in a street where at 3 a.m. there is no traffic light and, and it's really frightening. They just go by and they think they may be also be robbed. So they, they, they leave uh, and they think the man is already dead. But the good Samaritan takes the risk of stopping. He gives most, the most concrete uh, practical help. He gives medical help. He gets his hands dirty. He destroys his own schedule. You know, we are all sometimes annoyed in our busy city of London when something, we miss our train or we miss something. But here we see that the, the man is destroying his own schedule. He takes this man to an inn. He gives two silver coins. Commentator says that basically it was two months' rent to stay in the inn. And he says to the innkeeper, if you pay extra, whatever it is, I will come back and pay it. You have also, we have to also to remember that Samaritans and Jews were really sworn enemies. Um, Another place in the gospel, Jesus is called by some of his enemies a Samaritan, a demon-possessed and a Samaritan. You find it in John 8. But for example, the Jews at the time, they would say their prayers in the morning and they would say a prayer like this. Lord, a little bit like the Lord's Prayer. Lord, give me good day. Give me this day my daily bread. Keep me safe today. Lord, I pray that there will be no Samaritans in the resurrection on the last day. It's to give you the kind of hate, hatred between Samaritans and Jews. But in this story, the Samaritans give his love to an enemy. So why would Jesus take an extreme example to illustrate who is my neighbor? I think because Jesus is saying that the mark of a heart that has been touched by the grace of God is... Um, inevitably leading that heart to radical love and to deeds of compassion to the neediest, to the most broken, to the most ungrateful sometimes people that are probably furthest, um, the furthest away from our background, socially, physically, uh, demographically. Why? Why is that? Because I believe that when you are sinners saved by grace, when you know that, and when you meet the people that need the poor, uh, need the most, you are looking in a mirror. If you are sinners saved by grace, you will know immediately that what, what you look in someone else that has needs is what the Father looks at you, unless 
Jesus covered you with his righteousness. You see the point? We are not doing social actions because we want to patronize people, but because when we see people, we know that we, were, we are like them. We need God to cover us with his righteousness. So Jesus says to the lawyer, now, who is the hero of the story? And the expert in the law says, the one who showed mercy. And even the lawyer, even not saying the Samaritan, he doesn't want to say the word. But Jesus says, go and do likewise. You see, Christian faith is really simple. Christian faith is really simple. It's saying, I am nothing. Jesus, you are my everything. Until you know you can't love perfectly, you're not able to love. The lawyer was incapable of it. You and I are incapable. Until you're crushed by the magnitude of love that God gives us in Jesus, you won't be humble enough to receive the love that God offers to us and then go and meet the need of the neighbor. So in conclusion, before being a good neighbor, a loving neighbor, you need yourself to be neighbor. You need a neighbor. You need a Jesus as your neighbor. And I need Jesus as my neighbor. Jesus is the good Samaritan, you see, in the story. Jesus is the one who goes and sees us half dead. We are the one who are lying on the roads in our own blood. But Jesus gave his life for us. So until you see Jesus as your good Samaritan, you will never be a good Samaritan. So I said at the beginning, it removes us guilt and false guilt because we don't have to answer to the all needs when we leave this place and go home, we will certainly see a lot of needs among our neighbors, maybe homeless people, maybe people that are um, unwell. But it starts with Christ, with God, receiving his love, and then from that place being able to see where God is drawing by his love to people. Another thing that removes us that kind of guilt and the to-do list that is unending is that we are a body, we are the church. The, the inn in the story, Jesus, the good Samaritan, bringing the person after to the inn. The inn is a, a picture of the church. You know, it's not you and you and you that needs to do everything. We operate as a body and the church is answering in different ways here locally, but globally at different challenges and to our neighbors. So it comes back to the fact, as we saw last week, that God loved us first in Jesus. So we loved him um, in return, received from him, and being able to worship him, we go out. So let's pray, shall we? Father God, thank you so much that you sent Jesus as the good Samaritan. Father God, thank you so much that this morning we are incapable to love you with all our hearts, soul, mind, and strength.
This morning, we are incapable to love our neighbors as, us, as ourselves. We need you for that. We need you to praise you. We need you to worship you. We need you to go into the world, serve the needs. So this morning, Lord, we pray that if we are not yet Christian, we pray that you show us to our hearts that we need you to be able to really love. And if we are already Christian, you free us from the guilt or the false guilt. Jesus Christ, you are the great Samaritan. So come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.